praise You and we give You glory and we give You honor today. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. It feels so good in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I am thankful that He is here. Amen. I'm thankful that each of you are here, but I am thankful today to know that God is here. Because if He were not here, then we would be wasting our time today. But I'm thankful that I already feel His presence. I'm thankful that there's already a sense that God is doing something in the hearts of His people today. And that today, it's not accident that you are here. It's not an accident that God has kept us for this day. Amen. It's so good to be here with all of God's people. To all of our guests that are here with us, we say thank you so much for being with us today. We pray that you've already felt the hand of God in this place. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful week we've had. All of our VBS that went on this weekend. And we want to say a great big thank you to every person that gave whether that was financially, whether that was your time or your talents. We could not have done it without each and every one of you. And if you don't mind, just for a moment, if you helped out in any capacity, whether you, you were here and you were working in the kitchen, you were picking up trash, our sound and media guys, would you just lift your hand and wave it really quick? Come on, we're going to give honor where honor's due today. had a wonderful time here all week long and again Friday night with a wonderful presence of the Lord here and great connections with many guests amen and we're thankful for all that God is doing amen please remember Pastor Hughes who's not feeling well today and I pray that God would strengthen him this morning and touch his body amen if you have your Bibles would you turn with me to Joshua chapter 14 Joshua chapter 14, and we'll read verses 6 through 13. Amen. If you're sitting by somebody, nudge your neighbor this morning and tell them, I'm glad you're here. Amen. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the things that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. 
And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in that day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go in and to come, to go out and to come in. Now, now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. Give me this day what was spoken in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. And today for just a little while, I want to preach to you on this subject. I didn't come this far to only come this far. You did not come here today through the journey of your life to only come this far. Whether you've been living for God a day or you've been living for God your entire life and you're 90 years old today, you did not come this far to only come this far. Father, right now, we love you today and we thank you, God. I pray right now against that spirit of complacency. God, stir our hearts and our minds right now. God, give us the strength, oh God, to see not only what you have for me, oh God, but for my family, for my church, oh God, and for our future. God, today I pray that you would help us, oh God, get this in our spirit. That it would push us beyond our complacency, out of our seats, out of our comfort zone, into your promises, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning and you can be seated. Ecclesiastes 7 tells us finishing is better than starting. And I agree with that today as many of you would probably concur that finishing is always better than starting. To see a project finished is what we are about. It's what I preached about two weeks ago. Being incomplete is just not sufficient. To see a project finished, to see that we cross the finish line is everything. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Even Jesus on the cross declared it is finished. Finishing is what I am after. And I pray today that finishing is what you are after. Not just for yourself, but for your spouse and your loved ones and your friends and and those that you're connected to that we all want to cross that finish line together. Finishing is of most importance. And while finishing is better 
than starting. May we not diminish the value and importance of starting. Zechariah 10 verse 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God rejoices to see the work just get started. So why would I diminish and dumb down something and mark it as irrelevant? If God rejoices to see the work begin, then why don't I do the same? That if a sinner walks in the door, I rejoice. That if a sinner comes to the altar, I rejoice. Oh, they haven't changed yet. They're still the same, but they made it to the house of God. There's a hunger in their heart. There's a starting process. And God pays attention and he says, hey, that's what I'm looking. I'm looking for somebody to just get the ball rolling. I'm looking for somebody that doesn't care what anybody else thinks. That doesn't care what's going on in their world. And they come in and say, I just want Jesus. I just want a touch of God. On my life. I just want to be saved. It's a Zacchaeus who doesn't care what anybody thinks. And he looks like a fool climbing up in a tree. But he said, I want to see Jesus. It's a woman with an issue of blood that doesn't care who she pushes, doesn't care who she bumps up against. She says, I want to touch Jesus. It's a blind Bartimaeus that won't stop hiding and won't stop crying out and won't listen to what everybody else is saying because he's saying, I want Jesus. God's saying, that's it. That's what I want. I want somebody to just get it started. I'm wanting somebody to be the first one that just steps out and says, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of living life like this. I didn't come this far just to sit back and watch somebody else get a touch from God. I didn't drive all the way to Greater Life Church today to sit on a pew and be content singing a few songs and going home the same way I came. I didn't come this far to only come this far. We talked about the man in Luke who referenced saying who counts the cost before he builds lest happily after he hath laid that foundation is not able to finish. All that behold it began to mock him saying this man this guy began something but he wasn't able to finish it. But God said hey but this man began something. But this man began something. And that's where we pulled our verse from Philippians 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you'll just get started. If you'll just take that first step in the right direction. Prodigal son. If you'll just turn back to go back home. Before you ever get to the house. The father will see you and he will come running after you and he will 
fall down on your neck and he will kiss you and love you and embrace you and he'll throw you a party because God just wants you to know today that he didn't intend on you to come as far as you've come to sit here and die and to sit here and wither away but God said no I want them to go further than they even see possible God rejoices to see the work begin because he knows that he can see it through in Ezra the Bible says but many of the priests and the Levites and the chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy because it was a bitter thing because those that had been there remembered the beauty of what it used to be but also there was something stirring up on the inside that says but look at what it can be Look at what it's going to be. Look at what the potential that is there. And they began to shout for joy. There was so much excitement. And all that was there was just the foundation. All that was there was just the beginning. I wonder what would happen if we came in and instead of scrutinizing and instead of complaining about somebody who's just got a little bit of foundation that we would come in and say, Oh, but do you see? Do you see what can be? I didn't come this far to only come this far. Something inside me is stirring because I see the potential in that life. We rejoice at small beginnings. We rejoice over things like foundations being laid. Hebrews 11 tells us Abraham was confident in leaving where he was and starting a new journey for he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God some have gotten to the place where we seem to be satisfied with cities that have no foundation we rely on things that can do nothing for us. We rely and trust on things that have nothing to offer beyond present pleasures. But Abraham said, I am looking for a city whose foundations were laid and whose builder and maker is God. I'm looking for someone to get excited about small beginnings and small things and to say it doesn't just end there. We rely and trust in other things, but we ought to rejoice at starting points. And we ought to rejoice when foundations are laid. We used to get excited when people were baptized in Jesus' name. We used to pile the platform when people were baptized in Jesus' name. We used to get as many people as we could, all who were looking, all who were watching, trying to get a glimpse. And now we have some that get baptized from time to time. And folks are talking and folks are leaving the building and, and they're going to do their own thing. Church, there's a problem. 
problem when we quit rejoicing at small beginnings. There's a problem when we quit getting excited about a baby going down in Jesus' name, about a sinner that was lost who is now found. We ought to still rejoice. We ought to still be around the altar saying, thank you, God. Thank you that they're not going to hell. Thank you that they're no longer lost and bound in gross darkness, but they are set free. Well, it's just one person. Mm. Luke said, I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven. Mm. Over one sinner that repenteth more than over 90 and nine just persons which need no repentance. There are things that we perhaps unintentionally ignore are the very thing that the first Peter 1 and 12 said there are things that the angels desire to look into. The NLT said it's all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. That when stuff is going on in the baptismal tank, when somebody runs to the altar, when the Holy Ghost is being poured out, that the angels are looking in to see what's going on. The angels are saying, wow, isn't that awesome? Oh, let's rejoice. Oh, let's praise His name. If the angels are rejoicing, then I ought to be rejoicing. If the angels cry holy, I ought to be crying holy. If the angels are filled with excitement, I ought to be filled with excitement. If God rejoices, then I ought to rejoice. We used to hang around while people were seeking the Holy Ghost and rally and get around them and pray until they begin to speak with other tongues. We used to get to the altar and pray regardless of what was preached or, or who was preaching. How can we carry on like this? None of us have arrived. None of us have made it. None of us have gotten to the point where we've heard, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we've all got to realize, I'm not there yet. But I declare, I haven't come this far to only come this far far. I haven't got it all figured out. I still want more of God. I still want more of my family saved. I still want to see God do something great in my family and in my community. So maybe you started off bad. Maybe things were shaky at first. Begin again. Or as we used to do with the old Coke bottles when they'd have a game, we'd open it up and we'd look and say, please try again. So we'd go buy another one. Please try again. Please try again. One in six wins and I'm on eight and hadn't won yet. Please try again. That's my word to somebody today. Please try again. Please try again. Life may have been hard. Please try again. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't throw in the towel. Please try again. 
Maybe you haven't won yet, but it's almost time. I know a breakthrough is coming. I know we're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I know that we're going to see more saved. I know that in the last days, God is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. So I challenge somebody today, please try again. One of the greatest spirits that I feel we are up against is the spirit of apathy. And when I say we, I do not mean our world. I do not mean North America. I do not mean Texas. I mean the church of the living God. When he gave his command and said, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. He ain't talking to the world. He's not. They have their own spirits that they're fighting. They have the own, their own things that they're struggling with. I'm talking about right here at home. He said, if my people would humble themselves, if they would get back on their face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will come and heal their land. This spirit of apathy has crept in so unaware. It has made itself at home. What does apathy mean? Apathy is the lack of interest. It's the lack of enthusiasm. It's the lack of concern. It's contentment. Easily satisfied. It's those verses that I read two weeks ago that I cannot get out of my spirit that trouble me because it's it's the spirit that we are facing right now within the church. Not just Greater Life Church. I mean the entire body of Christ. There is a struggle that the enemy is using to bog you down and to get you to a place where, where you're comfortable because you're in the house of God. You're comfortable because you're not outside doing some evil deed. That you're comfortable because you're sitting on a pew in air-conditioned building and singing the songs of God. But Proverbs said it, that the righteous are barely saved. 1 Peter 4 that we read says, And if the righteous scarcely be saved... Jeremiah 6 said that people are slightly healed because we say peace, peace when there is no peace. Acts 26, Agrippa said to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Barely saved, scarcely saved, slightly healed, almost persuaded. I know you heard it, but I'm going to say it again. Almost is not enough for me. Close is not good enough for me. Slightly healed is not enough for me. The spirit of Agrippa, thou almost persuadest me. Thou almost got me out of my seat, Brother Clyde Thou almost had me shouting, praise team. Thou almost got me to the altar, preacher. Almost got me in the doors of heaven. It's the rich young ruler who, while he wants to be saved, also settles for earthly treasure. 
It was Felix in the book of Acts who said, Go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I'll get with you later, preacher. I'll get it right later down the road when I have a convenient season. Or perhaps a scarier thought is that we don't even realize that we are not right with God. That we don't even realize that there are things in our life and we've just become so numb to it and so comfortable where we are that we don't realize how far that we have drifted and how dangerous it is to not pay attention to what's going on around us. We are like David. We've gone down this digression of sin and when the prophet comes in and he declares the scenario that is very similar to David's that David starts raging in anger so upset who would do such a thing who would do this evil deed that man ought to be punished and the prophet looks at him and says you are the one I'm talking to David you are king you're the one that's doing this you're the one that has gone down this road and done this and David does not bow up. David doesn't say, don't call me out, preacher. Don't you call, come to me to telling me who I am and what I've done. David begins to groan and repent and begins to pray the most beautiful prayer of repentance. God, purge me. Wash me. Make me white as snow, oh God. Get inside my heart. Don't get to the place where you're going on being king and you don't even realize what we've done. There's no concern for the hour. No awareness of the time. Scripture tells us in Matthew, for as in the days that were before the flood, were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that no entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came, and took them all away. So shall the coming of man be. That it's going to be just like every other day in my complacency, in my comfort, in my zone. Everything exactly the same until it's not. Close is not enough. Almost is not sufficient. Scarcely, barely, slightly are words that speak of a soul satisfied. They settled. Second Kings 6 says that there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver. And a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. The dove that was a symbol of the Spirit of God. The dove that is a symbol of peace. Things had gotten so bad that they were satisfied with the remnants of the dove. What the dove left behind. It was not the dove. It was only what the dove discarded. It was only leftovers. It was only the junk and the mess. And people who were hungry 
They were so hungry, but they became satisfied with that because there was nothing else to offer. They had gotten to the place where they said, well, this is it. This is as good as it's going to be. I've come this far. This is far enough. In a world of hungry souls, someone has got to have something to offer. In a world that is in famine, that is desperate, may they not come into the house of God to only find a remnant of what used to be here. May they not come looking for the dove and leave with something the dove discarded, something that no longer is usable, something that's no longer good. No, we need the real thing. We need the dove. We need God. We need the spirit like we've never needed it before because what is being consumed right now is filth what is being devoured right now is junk what is being taken in right now is not the best that we have to offer somebody needs to get a hold of the dove again and say this this is it this is the real thing this is what you need to be after Remnants of the dove is not the dove. Almost finished is unfinished. And I didn't come this far to only come this far. The tragedy that took place this last week that caught the eyes of the world. Five men on a submarine to explore the great Titanic. Their intended target was that titanic bottom there where they would go and explore and and see that great vessel that had crashed to which they say that the sub these men were on imploded only 1,600 feet from the titanic wreckage. So close. Maybe they even got a glimpse of it. Maybe they even had a moment where they could see something. But yet life was lost so close to their intended target. It was January of 2020. The NBA great Kobe Bryant was on a helicopter with his daughter and seven others where they crashed into a hill and killed everyone on board. They said later that day that the chopper was just 100 feet and only 12 seconds away from making it through the thick fog and into clear skies when it crashed. They came so far. They pushed the bounds. They they went into depths. They, They went to explore territories and see sites that others don't get the privilege to see. And they were so close to their intended target so close to clear skies, so close to life, and yet tragedy occurred in a moment and life was snuffed out just being so close. Hear me, I will beat a dead horse if I have to beat a dead horse. And I will say it again and again and again. And I pray that that be the very thing that drives us out of our place of complacency and of certainty and this place of leisure that we have come too far and we have come so close to the coming of the Lord. For me, allow anything 
anything, anything, anything to destroy my life or to keep me from heaven or to keep my family from heaven. If it's a person, if it's a problem, if it's an addiction, there is nothing in this life worth missing heaven over. Not one argument, not one fight, not one problem that we face. Nothing is worth keeping me away from eternity with Jesus. We've come too far to see it all in because of some minor miscalculation, some minor setback, some silly stuff that is not eternal and it's junk. It is junk. It is remnants. It's filth and leftovers. We get distracted. We get bogged down. And we have come too far to turn back now. See, the plateau is an area of high ground. It's a place that we often get and we feel so good because it's a high place. It's not the pit of despair. It's not weighed down in rocky bottom. No, it's the high place. It's that plateau. It's often regarded as a level of attainment and achievement. I've reached the plateau. I've reached that high point. I've reached that place that I've been striving for. And most would be satisfied with the high ground position. Especially if you've seen some low days. But the problem is, to plateau means a state of little or no change following a period of activity or progress. The plateau is that place of comfort. The plateau is the place where you get comfortable and quit climbing and quit striving and quit praying and quit seeking the face of God and quit fasting. The plateau is the place where you think that you've made it. The plateau is the place where you think now I can settle down and not give as much and not try as hard and not do what I used to do. Somebody needs to get some grit in their spirit and declare it. The old song said, I'm going through... I'm going through. I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do. I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. And I'm not going to turn around. I'm walking with my Jesus and I'm going through. I didn't come this far to only come this far. The high ground may be sufficient for somebody. But Caleb, high ground wasn't enough because there was higher. There was more to be obtained. There was something else out there for Caleb. Just making it out of the wilderness alive was not enough. He gets to this mountain and something starts stirring in him and he declares, give me this mountain. I don't care how far I've come. I still want my mountain. I don't care how long I've journeyed. 
I still want your best. I don't care how old I am or how long I've lived. I didn't come this far to stop here. I want my mountain. I want my promise. I want everything that you've got for me. Scripture says, don't get weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap. You shall reap. Somebody needs to speak that over my life and your life. I shall reap if I faint not. If I don't quit, if I don't give in, if I don't throw in the towel, I shall reap. I shall get my mountain. I shall see the promises of God. I shall see healing. I shall see breakthrough. I shall see my babies baptized. I shall see my prodigal come home. I'm going to speak it and I'm going to declare it that I'm not going to get weary in well-doing. You don't get tired to the point of fading right at the start. Right off the get-go, you got energy, you got zeal, you got passion. You believe it when God first gives you that fresh word. Boy, you can go on that word. But when it's been days, when it's been weeks and months and years, and you've gone through the wilderness and you get out of the wilderness and think, now it's time, and it's still not even time for your mountain. But you keep going, and you keep going, and you say, well, how, how do you keep going? Because I didn't come this far to only come this far. I didn't do all of this and live for God the way that I did to just throw it all away right there at the end. Right when it was due season. Right when it was time for me to harvest. Right when it was time for me to get my blessing. For Caleb, it didn't matter how long he had been at it. It didn't matter that it was 45 years of delay. Caleb declared, I haven't come this far to stop here. I didn't keep living all these years for nothing. I didn't keep serving God all this time for nothing. For Caleb, it wasn't just about having this for himself. He's now at the back end of his life. He's now on the, the years of decline, if you will. And he still is there saying, I want what's mine. I want my mountain. I want your promises. This isn't about me. This isn't about my life. He wanted something that would last beyond himself. He was remembering what Moses said. I hear those words again. Don't you remember Joshua? He said, surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. This mountain that I come wanting today is not just for me, but it's for all of those that will come after me. It'll be for my babies. It'll be for my grandchildren. 
and their children and their children and it'll keep going and keep going and keep going until they get into a place called greater life and it's still gonna keep going and it's still being poured out and it's still for each and every one of you. This isn't about me. This is about who may come after me. I know I may not be as young as I used to be. I may not have it like I used to have it, but this isn't about me. You say, Brother Long, you can't be your children's savior. Your children can't ride your coattail into heaven. No, sir, they can't. But if I can declare my mountain, if I can declare what belongs to me, then when I'm long gone, I'll have something I can pass down to them. Then when they're weary and when they're tired and when they're broken, there's a place that they can come. There's a place they can find help and they can find refuge. Let's all stand. If you get content, so will your children. If you get complacent and you decide that you've accomplished everything there is to accomplish and you push your kids to the altar and you push them to go pray and you push them to go see God but they don't see you pursuing God and they see you not living for God the way you ought to be living for God and you've just found yourself in a place well I've already received the Holy Ghost I've already been baptized I've already come a long way I've already earned my stripes Caleb said oh no, 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 no. I've got to shake that spirit off I've got to get that mentality out of my mind. I I don't care how long I've been on this journey. I haven't seen all the promises of God yet. I haven't seen all that God wants for my life yet. And I cannot continue living this way. If you settle for something less than what God promised you, then so will your children. This is good. We can stop right here and camp out. We can get complacent here. We've reached a plateau, Brother Sean. We've reached a high point. It feels good. Oh, no. This ain't my mountain. It feels good, but this ain't my mountain. That's my mountain. The very next chapter of Joshua, Oxa, the daughter of Caleb possesses that same boldness and spirit because she saw her father walk in that boldness and walk in that faith and she saw dad say I want my mountain give me my mountain that's kind of a sense of entitlement don't you think who do you think you are? Give me my mountain. He promised me. He said it was, it was for me. But it's not about me. I'm not asking for my mountain, Brother Greg, just for me. I'm not asking for this miracle for me. I'm not asking you to move for me. But my daughter now... Own some of this land. Yes. 
And she comes and asks her father for a field. She sends somebody to do it. Would you go ask my father for this field? But then it's as if in her mind she starts thinking and this same spirit starts stirring up in her and she says, I didn't come this far to only come this far. This is my father, not his, not my husband's. This is my father. I ought to be able to ask him for something. Because this is his inheritance. This is his that's going to be passed down through generations. And she got off of her donkey. And Caleb said to her, what would you like? Her dad, her father, sees that fire in her eyes and he says, Ask. Ask me. I've got it to give. I've got it to give. Just ask me. She gets down and she said unto him in verse 19, Give me a blessing since you have given me the south land or what is translated as desert. I've got land, I've got property, I've got things, and I'm grateful for it. But give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. The only way he had something to give The only way he had a spring to offer her in her wilderness. The only way that in her dry place, he had something that he could say, Here, darling, drink. Here, live. Here, have this water. Have this spring. The only way he had a spring to give is because he had a mountain that he claimed. If he wouldn't have claimed the mountain... He wouldn't have had anything to give her. I'm sorry, baby. I didn't claim a promise. I have nothing to give you. I didn't claim victory. I didn't claim breakthrough. I didn't claim what we needed for our family. I didn't speak it. I challenge somebody today in the Holy Ghost to step out of that comfort zone. Step up to your mountain today and say, this is my mountain. I don't have anything else this is it this is what I've lived for this is what I've given for and God it's not about me my children they're going to depend on it oh God I can't be their savior but I can give them a spring I can give them something they can draw from when they're weary I can give them words that they can go to in time of despair. I can give them something that when it's dark and when they're weary and when it's all dry and when it's famine, that they can go to that spring and they can draw from it and that they would come and say, God, Thank you that my dad didn't stop short. Thank you, God, that my mom got to an altar and she prayed. 
give me my mountain. I didn't come this far to stop here. I didn't live all these years for God to die an old man or die an old woman with nothing to offer my children or my grandchildren. I don't care about all the riches. I don't care about money. I hope that I can leave them that. But more than anything, I want to pass down truth. I want to pass down joy. I want to pass down a calling. I want to pass down mantles. I want to pass down something that will benefit their life in a dark world. Come on. Get out of that place of complacency. God, I don't want to be barely saved. I don't want a part of the mountain. Oh, I don't want part of something that is like that. You said that you would pour out your spirit. Let us be like Peter who said, This is that. This is real. This is a promise for me and for my children and to their children and to all. Come on, Caleb. Come on, Caleb. Declare it this morning. God, give me my mountain. Give me that promise today. Come on, the word you spoke then. The word you spoke then. Let it come to pass now. The word you promised then, let me see it now. He Come on, come on, claim your mountain. You've got springs to offer somebody. There's land to offer somebody. Don't leave here with nothing to give. Don't leave here with the remnant. Don't leave here with something like it. Leave here with the dove. Leave here with the real thing. Come on, elder. Come on, elder. Let your cry be heard right now. God, give me my mountain. I'm still here, Lord. Give me my mountain, oh God. I haven't come this far to only come this far. I want to see my babies back in church. I want to see my prodigal home. Come on, if you're an elder, find a younger person and begin to pray with them. Pass down something that they can cherish. Pass down something that they can embrace today. Here you go. Here you go, daughter. Here you go, son. Here, here I, I claim this. 
Here I claim this. Now you can walk in it. You can live in it. You can drink from it. Oh, God, I'm here today by your grace and by your mercy. I don't want to just survive the wilderness. I don't want to just make it out alive. I want a mountain. I, I want your promises, and oh God. What a reason. He's the only reason. God, it's not about me. It's not about me, God. I'm not being selfish today. He's the only. It's for those coming after me, God. Oh, it's for those that are on the way, God. I can't live without that water. Dad, I can't live without those streams. Would you give them to me today? Worth living for. Come on, claim it for your family right now. Oh, this is for them, God. This is for them. God, I may be young, God, but this is for my grandchildren someday. If you tarry, God, this is for many more to come. You are all I Breathe on me, power of God, come in and oh, come change on, that's it, church.